This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Maya, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Mark. We had a podcast before the podcast, almost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what it felt like, for sure. No, it's, it's, great. it's uh, oh, geez, there's just so, so many great topics. Uh, Maya Bestdale, welcome. Um, to the podcast. Where's home for you? Uh, right now I'm in Ancaster, Southern Ontario, just outside of Hamilton. Um, I mean, I was born and raised in Toronto, uh, truth be told. Uh, I typically apologize for that. I'm not a, I'm not a big city person at all, but, um, but yeah, currently in Ancaster and I've lived in, you know, in, in BC and in Saskatchewan and in uh, you know, different parts of Ontario as well. So. Oh, cool. Uh, like you have yeah, a very I, good, I, a very good flavor for the cultural diversity of this country. You it, know, it's very diverse. It's, and it's beautiful. And, you know, you could spend uh, your whole life just exploring Canada uh, for sure. I, I really appreciate it. I have often thought that if I had the proverbial, you know, lottery winning ticket, um, I would want to spend my time knowing the country that I live in, uh, yeah. just both the people and the ecosystems. Gosh, it's like West Coast, East Coast, prairies, Arctic, yeah, step tundra, yeah. yeah, cool, and different kinds of hunting everywhere. Absolutely, depending on where you go. So, and speaking of that, you are a hunter. Yes. Very cool. I uh, yeah, I I did not. I do not come from a hunting family. I, as I said, I was born and raised in Toronto and I actually grew up anti-hunting because, uh, I, I don't even know why. Is it, it's, it's just, the, it's I guess, the, what I was surrounded by. Is it the law in a big city? Like you, <laughs> that's, no, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of hunters live in you big cities. Be, you, if you, if you live in a city, you shall be anti-hunting. Uh, uh, you know, to be honest, I have no idea. It was just... Uh, I, I didn't know any different. And, and that's the thing when you are in a big city, you know, or whatever community you're in, if you don't have exposure to different ways of, of living and being, you just don't know. And, uh, you know, I guess, um, 
Well, we know now as hunters too that uh, there's also not necessarily an interest to um, or an appetite to educate and inform. So it wasn't until I moved to BC. Uh, I lived in I lived in in uh, you know finished high school out there and. I was dating a guy and, and he came uh, from northern the northern part of the province and him and his dad and his brother, um, they would hunt, you know, every year moose and deer. And it started to give me a bit of a different impression. And, you know, fortunately, you know, I'm grateful that I am open minded. And I'm also grateful that the people that I started to meet that were hunters were interested in teaching me and showing me things rather than judging. So there was a space for me to kind of explore that. And I guess it started with, um, you know, the difference between factory farmed meat and wild meat and the kind of ethics around that. And it was kind of an early, um, I guess, opening for me. And, and, uh, And then I got into, and the other thing too is, I mean, you know, being from the city, and then of course nobody in my family hunted, and so there was also this kind of tension in my family where it wasn't really embraced, I would say. Um, and then I got into uh, rehabilitation. I used to volunteer at a rehab center for birds of prey uh, in, in BC, also, and and um, hunters would donate, uh, and tra- actually trappers would donate. Um, you know, some of the uh, mink uh, and, and different things they would trap as part of the bird food, uh, hawk, hawk and eagle food, basically. Um, and then through, you know, working, I, I then moved back to Ontario, started working with birds of prey, doing education. And then I met some falconers and that's kind of, that was kind of my segue into hunting. It was, it was not even an intention. I had gotten to the point where I accepted it, I was open to it, and I never imagined I would actually become a hunter. It, it was a complete accident. And a unique style of hunting that you got into. Yeah. Um, we often, this is fascinating to me, uh, I'm excited to learn about this. Like we often talk about hunters, uh, you know, preferred choice of weapon, um, mm-hmm. you know, a rifle, uh, versus uh, a bow, so you kind of yeah. you kind of got those those two groups, right? I tend to go back yeah. and forth, you know, um, between both, and and then you know I was thinking about this leading up to this podcast. Now hunting with a falcon is is a different game altogether, and and I I thought about this and I went. I, I, I can't even put that in the same category as people that hunt with dogs. So I have a hunting dog now, and then there's people yeah. that have the hunting hounds. <clears throat> because the falcon is not the, is, is not the delivery mechanism like, like a rifle or a bow. They're the delivery mechanism to send a projectile that, yeah. that kills the animal. Hound dogs uh, or hunting dogs are flushing, tracking, treeing, yep. baying. Uh, they're not that, you know, like you don't pick your dog up and throw it at, at the bear in the tree <laughs> or something like that, right? <laughs> I hope not. No. And I then all not. of a sudden yeah. I, I was going, you know, the falcon, for a falcon hunter, 
the falcon is like both the weapon yeah. and the projectile. Yeah, if you want to look at it like that. And, and I was like, um, gosh, that is so cool. But it's smart and it thinks and it can weave back and forth. So. Well, you know, it's, it is a very, very complex way of hunting. And, you know, to be honest, my motivation uh, was to serve the bird. And, and the, so the story is, um, I was, I had, so I had been doing uh, some work, some education work with birds of prey with, you know, uh, hawks and, and falcons and, and, uh, did some, started to do some, uh, release of peregrine falcons, uh, in, in some urban settings. And, and through that process, I met falconers in Ontario and, it was at that point I really started to learn about how birds, these birds of prey worked, how they think, how they, why they behave the way they do. And this is after years of me, you know, working with birds in, in rehabilitation and educational settings. And so it really gave me pause. And then uh, one of the first falconers I met, um, you know, the, you probably, a lot of folks probably are aware that, um, you know, people use birds of prey for bird abatement, right? As a kind of an environmentally friendly way to, you know, scare other birds away from, you know, uh, airports and airports landfills, et cetera. So anyway. Yeah. I saw a video one time where a fellow with a bird of prey was contracted to go into public places like malls after they closed yeah. at nighttime to get the birds out that were like yeah. in the food court so the pigeons would poop on oh, you know whatever yeah. and I mean I there's all that, kinds so. <laughs> yeah there's I mean they you know they use them in stadiums I mean there's all kinds a whole world yeah. but uh so the anyway this friend of mine this, this falconer friend of mine uh called me up one day and and uh he says hey hey I have this uh I have this this hawk I don't have time to train him you know would you be interested in training him and I was like oh yeah for sure I was so excited I you know I said yes before I knew it and um you know I had a I had been um becoming familiar with falconry anyway I mean it was something I was becoming very interested in so I had been out also in the field you know accompanying other falconers you know um hunting uh but this but anyway this the phone call came kind of out of the blue and you know it had kind of been on my mind but not really anyway so I agreed and started building like you know you have to build special enclosures and and various things so I you know got uh, help with my sponsor I started to build this enclosure and get everything ready and and then it really dawned on me in a direct way that oh man I have to hunt with this thing because you know falconry is is an art is the art of hunting with a trained bird of prey that is the you know the full definition of it and it is an art and it is a hunting activity and and you know uh, with bird shows and bird abatements and different things you can train birds to do these things it's not nece- doesn't necessarily include hunting but anyway I realized if I wanted to do things properly and I wanted to properly serve the bird I needed to hunt with him so and my motivation was to develop a relationship with the bird it was a very relational thing and you know and I grew up also too like and the interesting thing is I grew up you know loving nature and you know we'd spend our family vacations camping and you know fishing and canoeing and you know I really loved that 
that uh, kind of thing. And I was always looking to to be closer to nature. How do I do that? And, you know, trying all, you know, different kinds of outdoor, um, you know, recreation type things. But anyway, so I was training this bird and, you know, first you have to train the bird to not be afraid of you. And, and then it, then it will eventually eat sitting on your glove. And then it, you have to start training it like baby steps. It'll fly towards you instead of away from you which is what their nature is because the thing with raptors is while they may become tame they are not domesticated like cats and dogs and I think maybe that was the that's the difference between hunting dogs and falconry with raptors so uh you know flew them free was kind of getting into the routine of that and uh when he took his first game which actually I was initially training him for um, crow work so hunting crows um, when he took his first crow uh, you know it's like a switch flipped and I realized in that instant oh man I am a hunter I just knew it like it, it was just it was like this real deep primal part of me w woke up and it had always been there and I just didn't even realize it. And so, and then I was, and then also kind of in that same moment, I'm like, this is the connection to nature I've always wanted. This is the thing. And, oh man, was I ever so wrong about being against hunting. I just really didn't have an understanding of it. Uh, and and so just, just that, it's almost like in that moment, my whole life literally changed. It changed the direction of my life. It changed, it changed all kinds of things. And and it has so enriched, um, you know, just that connection to nature what, through falconry and through hunting. And the relationships that you develop with the birds, I mean, you're truly hunting partners, you know. And it got to the point, certainly with, that, with my first bird um, and, and, and subsequent birds too, but definitely with more so with the first one where, you know, if we were working a field for rabbits, uh, we got to the point where he would fly out, he would, you know, find a, a tree to perch on and I would flush, I, I mean, I would be the dog, right? I'd be working the field trying to flush and, you know, a lot of falconers do also work with dogs and uh, I never have, but, uh, you know, and, and so we would really work these things together. Wow. And that, and you develop that. It's a, it really is a hunting partnership. Yeah, yeah. That that is cool. Um, I mean, there's examples of that in in nature, sort of like mm. animals working off of each other uh, to you know to capture a prey, uh, like different different yeah. species. Not not the pack animals, not like the you know the wolf the wolf thing or whatever, but um, different birds that are kind of you know smart enough to go. Oh, I'm just going to sit here and let let that one kind of like, you know, rustle around in the leaves and scare something up or whatever. So it's, it's definitely not, I think, something that's outside of what wild animals are already genetically yeah. programmed for to kind of, I yeah. guess, find, find the easy way. Work smarter, not harder. I think that's, that's, yeah. that's the well, one. Yeah, well, and that's it. Very cool. Yeah, that, that's it. I mean, and it's thousands of years old, right? I mean, you felt, you find falconry throughout the old world in every culture, on every continent you know, except for Antarctica, but, and, and North America doesn't have, North and South America don't, don't have a, you know, a pre-contact uh, history of falconry that I've, 
you know that that myself and other, and other falconers uh, have been able to ascertain but uh, certainly throughout the old world it's thousands of years old yeah yeah so when when you worked with these birds hunting um like you said it was just this this connection thing what mm-hmm. what did you specifically what, what are some things that you specifically saw in a wild animal who's like that look in their eyes you know when when they see something where we're just that is that is like that is the raw hunter of of nature what what did you see in that that then became something for you like that would light you up that would intensify your focus that would like what little piece did you take from the birds to say I've learned from that and then if you Maya are hunting with a rifle or a shotgun you've adopted this from what you've learned from a bird do you have something like that that you can share you know the probably for me you know my biggest learning curve was just learning how to find where the game was I didn't know how to do that okay and um you know at that time you know in Ontario all all of the birds uh i mean that was 2004 so i've been a hunter for just about 20 years um you know all of the birds that we uh had that were our you know hunting partners through falconry were had to be born and raising like born in captivity um and so the slight disadvantage to that was they didn't have uh so normally in the wild young birds even as nestlings will see what their parents are doing and how their parents are hunting and what game they're bringing into the nest right and so the the captive reared birds didn't have that so it meant I had to work a little harder to show them what the game was which meant I had to also find that and because I didn't because I you know came from the city and it's different so yes I spent a lot and this is this is this is one of those differences right so yes I spent a lot of time outdoors right and I would look for those opportunities I would look for opportunities to be hiking or you know go camping or go fishing but you know when you're actually looking for game it you have there's something different like and I don't know, maybe you notice the same thing, right? So you can go for a walk on a trail, you know, maybe you have an area where you like to deer hunt and you have trail cams up. And so you can go for a walk when it's not hunting season, right? In that area, think about where you want to put your trail cams, think about how you want to set things up and, you know, maybe where you're going to put your blind or maybe your stand needs some work. But and 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 maybe it's just me but like as soon as it's hunting season there's something that changes there is a shift in in your kind of mental emotional being even maybe spiritually where all of a sudden there's a part of you that's awake like you're looking for something it's that predator instinct and that's the thing i never felt until i became a falconer and all of a sudden and i mean I almost honestly I had moments um I had moments where I almost felt like a bird, you know, just because I was so dialed in to what they were trying to do and and you know when the bird is keen and turned, you know, they're turned on to 
you know, w wanting to pursue whatever it is, like with the, you know, if it's, if it's a hawk, you know, when I was flying Harris hawks, it would be rabbits and crows. If I was flying a falcon, it would be ducks, right? So um, they get really keyed in and they're ready to go. And, and as a falconer, for me, the, the, the term is you need to serve your bird. And so that's what I would just be ultra focused on. And it was this it was this predator, you know, this predator instinct, like, I can't, I don't know how else to explain it, but it's that predator instinct that I, I never knew I had. Wow. That's a fascinating story. It's been, it's so wow. intense, it, man. It's like, it's, wow. you know, with the birds. So, so I have since hunted with a gun. So I've, I've hunted waterfowl, um, both ducks and geese. I've hunted turkey. I've not yet hunt, uh, been successful at hunting um, deer, but hopefully one day. Um, and, and it's almost easier. Like, it's almost easier, really, with, with a firearm, like, or a bow. Like, you're just, it's just easy. It was, falconry is hard. I mean, you're slogging through the brush, you're flushing stuff, you're emotionally invested, like, is the bird and it's it the whole thing is so intense it's like are they going to connect are they going to get it are they keen enough you know is that prey going to get away and you know you talk about it's like i'm and you know it's funny because uh as a kid you know you'd see those nature shows and i would always root for the predators i'd always like <laughs> you know that cheetah that was chasing the gazelle i'm like get it get it get it i just <laughs> I didn't even realize it, but, uh, yeah. Oh, that is, that's funny. Did you, did you ever, did you ever feel like that, like this extra sort of pressure and intensity? Cause like the bird was like getting frustrated with you. Like, you know, like, come on, make something, something happen. And you're, oh, you're yeah. feeling this extra weight, like hours have yes. gone by and a rabbit hasn't yes. popped out. And you're like, it's kind of like when you're duck hunting yes, with a dog and, and, and you and, miss the dog's yes. kind of like, why didn't it fall on, out of man. the sky? Yes, I know. I've seen them do that. Yeah, same. Yeah, same. Same thing, and 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 vice versa too. Like I remember the um, first falcon I trained, and we were, um, you know, going for ducks. And the thing is, again, you got to keep showing them. You got to keep showing them the game. So it's not like you go out and then they just kind of hunt anything that moves, right? There are, I think, uh, you know, different birds have an instinct to chase certain things and when they're you know when they're young and they're kind of acting like teenagers they might they might kind of be curious and check all different things out but anyway you want to you want to focus their attention on what the game species are that you should be targeting so uh i remember her name was um scarlet the my first falcon and and I was trying to get her onto ducks and had lots of opportunities where, you know, we had smaller ponds and I'd flush ducks and she'd kind of, she was kind of getting it. Like that's what she should chase. And I remember there was one pond. It was like the, it was a perfect pond, perfect size. There was corn that had just come down around it and lots of ducks, you know, and I, she went, so she was, uh, circling overhead it's called uh, for falcons it's called waiting on so she was kind of flying around circle over my head and I flushed one you know one kind of raft of ducks went up and she kind of tipped her wings a little and she didn't do anything and then there were still some there were still more ducks so I flushed a second round and 
she kind of buzzed him and I'm and I remember looking up at her and she was flying overhead looking down at me and I remember looking up at her and I'm like you're supposed to get them <laughs> and then there was three ducks left and so I'm like okay there's only three ducks God, I gotta flush them again and it's you know as you as you can imagine when you're around the edge of a pond and you're and I don't have a dog helping me so I'm you know up to my knees almost in mud and it's hard to run and anyway so I'm chasing I chase and I'm yelling and screaming and scare the ducks off of the water because the other the other thing that has to happen is um, is the interaction between natural predators and prey so the prey whether whatever it is rabbits ducks doesn't matter they respond more strongly to a natural predator than they do to a human which is not the also a different um, experience compared to if you're just out there hunting with a gun or a gun and a dog. So interesting. Anyway, and so when ducks are on a pond and there's a falcon circling overhead, like they actually do not want to get up off of the water. I've so seen that. So you really gotcha. have to scare them to, you know, be more of a threat so that they just leave. So anyway, they left three these three ducks, and she came down and she whacked one mallard. Brought it down just at the edge of the pond and then she grabbed it and then the duck was trying to get to the water and I was running to try to get to her before the duck dragged her into the water, right? And so I got them right at the edge and, um, and you know, the other thing too is uh, it's not typically very uh, neat and tidy. So, you know, the as, as nature is, right? I mean, you know, I think some people that don't have these firsthand experiences or they've only seen nature through some of these nature shows, they think there's an impression that, oh, you know, the predator will just grab something and they'll kill it quickly and then they'll start to eat. Well, like in, in what reality, right? That just doesn't happen. And, and, you know, the bird doesn't have a bad intention, but it's hungry. It's going to eat. So, uh, so every, you know, most most things if it you know if it was off the, the game was not was not already dead when i when i got there so i then i i had to learn also how to break necks pretty quickly and and, um, <laughs> uh. and do that kind of thing because you know a i don't want to see something suffer and b i also don't want my bird to get hurt yeah and oh, okay that's Makes the sense. other thing that you see right like that bird that bird needs to kill that prey so it can eat and that prey is also fighting for its life and so you see this kind of dynamic between natural predator and prey right up close you know there's no filters there there's no you know it it's it, and to be honest i i feel like it is you know part of the hardest part but the greatest privilege to have been able to witness some of those things, you know, because there is a recognition and there is always a point at which that prey knows it's not getting away and you, you can see it in their eyes and they do, they do give in eventually, you know? So it's, it's something I've been really grateful to experience. Have you read, um, Jose Ortega's book? Meditations on hunting. Um, I have read passages of it. Okay. Yes. Yeah, because there's mean, one. Just there's one in there where he says um, the the instinct to evade, being prey, and the instinct to capture, 
is the greatest force that nature uses to regulate life on the planet. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I just, I just very, very vividly yeah. hear, hear that in, in, in your story. Cause, cause I'm, I'm, you're, you're so passionate, so excited when you talk, I'm literally, I have this picture of you in the, in the swamp and the duck and sinking yeah. and, oh, and yeah. stuff like I was just like playing the movie in my head, listening to that. Yeah. It was so, oh, so yeah. exciting. I mean, lived it right. Yeah. And you know, and, and you know, that was for that time. I remember that. And, and, you know, to be honest, like, I think I've talked to hunters about this, you know, so, so similarly, I remember every place I flew a bird. I have so many stories that are just catalogs of lived experiences. And I have heard similar stories from other hunters that do different kinds of hunting where, you know, there's a lot of things they may not pay attention to, but they know like which, you know, where they yeah. harvested what yep. and, and that whole experience. And, you know, like that first duck with Scarlet, man, I, I just, I remember the time of day. Actually, it was November. It was like around this time. And, um, it was just at the end of the day, like 4.30 ish. And there was this golden light and, you know, she was eating this duck and she had blood on her beak. And then the sun was that golden light with the corn in the background. And, you know, the ducks had flushed, but you know, when you're on the ground and you're kneeling on the ground at the edge of the pond, it's got that musty smell. And, you know, I'll never, I'll never forget that. Yeah. That's powerful. That's very powerful. When Mm. my, my, my kids told me when they were little, like toddlers, when I started taking them out in the bush and, you know, kind of, they were toddlers when I started taking him out. My son, hunted, he started hunting at the age 10. And I remember distinctly one time we were out driving somewhere uh, in the woods. And they said, Dad, did you know that you point out things on the, on, in the land, like in the woods, based on where you've seen animals, not the land itself? And, and I, I literally, it just sort of hit me because I would drive along and go, oh, I was coming along here one time and, and around this corner and there was a black bear on that hillside and oh, across the valley there on the edge of the draw there one time, it was like there was a white-tailed buck over there. And it's just like, yeah. I have my whole entire lifetime where my mental map of the landscape is where I've seen animals. And, and they yeah. picked up on that and said like, I don't go like, this is where the creek flows in and there's a rock ridge over there. It's like, no, there yeah. was a... There was a goose there once and an owl over there once. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's it. interesting. I, I never thought about it, but I think I think I probably do the same thing. Yep. Uh, Very cool. Yeah, that's Very another cool. interesting thing. Yeah. Now, your passion for hunting is now extending beyond the field to the classroom. Tell us tell us where you're going with oh. your, ed- your education, what, what you're working sure. on, what your goals yeah. are. Uh, you know what's interesting when I became a hunter and I realized I mean that was my kind of recognition that this was the connection right everything about being closer to nature made sense and I I mean I grew up always very conservation minded right just love this land and I thought oh oh this is what it is and doesn't I mean doesn't everybody think this then and so uh, but then when I started to share with people uh, that I was a hunter or that I hunted with birds, you know, because people can, 
people were open to um, the idea of falconry sometimes up until the point where they realized it's a hunting activity. And then it was like, oh, oh, you know, and and when I would share, when I started to share about actually being a hunter, I would get this, oh, oh, you're one of those. Oh. And I, I just, you know, it was so abrupt. And, but yet at the same time, um, you know, so becoming a hunter, like certainly with falconry and, and lots of other hunting, you, you know, you, you no person in a, is an island, right? And, and very oftentimes you end up uh, being part of a community of, of hunters. And I saw, I, I, I saw and experienced just so much understanding of the natural world, so much um, orientation to conservation efforts, like boots on the ground conservation. And, and at the same time, um, people that were not hunters were uh, not very open. And, and this really bothered me. So at that time, I mean, I had not, when I graduated high school, I just decided to work. I, you know, didn't have a ton of faith in, in, in the university academic world. I was a little suspicious of it. And so I opted to just work, but, but this becoming a hunter and just kind of seeing, experiencing the gifts, seeing how many people were so dedicated to conservation um, I mean, especially falconers. I mean, gosh, the Peregrine Fund in the United States was started by falconers, right? I mean, Peregrine Falcons would have would have gone extinct if it hadn't been for falconers donating their birds to experimental breeding. So knowing all of this history, I was like, oh, so, you know, okay, I'm ready to go to university. I'm not going to get brainwashed. You know, I was ready. And I ended up going to Waterloo for my undergrad and I loved it. And Every which way I could, you know, focus a, a project or an assignment on on hunting or falconry, I did. And my undergrad thesis was on, does hunting lead to a greater conservation effort or ethic? Um, and, and so it's kind of been rolling around. This idea has been rolling around in my mind for a while. And so I, that was in 2011, I graduated and, you know, life and different pathways and, and, and different things. Anyways, I, I decided to, um, it's this whole idea of how important conservation is and yet how divided con the conservation movement has been. And, you know, is there not greater common ground that we can find as different groups of people? So, uh, my thesis right now, I'm so now I'm working on my master's degree and it's basically focusing on, again on hunters and conservation. And, you know, so I'm doing a survey for hunters in Canada because the other thing I, I found is, uh, and, you know, and I, I, I noticed this since I was an undergraduate, um, when you look at peer reviewed literature and, anybody who goes to university, if you have assignments to do, that's where you are expected to draw your sources from. Well, the majority of the peer-reviewed literature is not overwhelmingly positive, let's just say, with respect to hunters. Yes. And, and that's yet, engineered, in my opinion. You know a what? Lot of it. You know what? And and so, mm -hmm. and so my thing is like, hold the phone, man. This is not what I've seen 
for years. I mean, I volunteered. I continue to volunteer for, you know, different conservation organizations, hunting conservation organizations. I've done lots of my own kinds of boots on the ground uh, conservation efforts. I've, I've worked for hunting conservation organizations. So um, I have just seen a very different story. But the thing is, as hunters, I think we tend to tell ourselves and we can have all of these kinds of conversations and we know what we mean. But the rest of the world doesn't seem to acknowledge or understand. And what I'd really like to do is, you know, so yes, on the one hand, it's like we, the, diff, the different groups of people, different groups of, let's say, and I'm focusing a little bit on um, nature-based outdoor recreationists. So, you know, hunters, bird watchers, campers, whatever. And, and starting with hunters anyway. Um, you know, different groups of, of people um, contribute to conservation. And maybe there are different ways that they contribute. And the studies of hunters have been that or that have included hunters that are peer reviewed, that can be used by people who are going through the university system are fairly limited. And so I'd like to change that. And the other thing I've noticed is the vast majority of stuff that's been written about hunters has not been written by hunters. So how do you like, how, if you don't have a, a lived experience of something, there is going to be things you just don't understand. There's going to be things that you miss. And so I, and I am fortunate to, you know, be at an institution, again, University of Waterloo, uh, for my master's as well, um, with the same advisor that I had for my undergrad, just because, you know, how many people are genuinely open and supportive of this kind of a direction? I don't know. Uh, but I know that I've, you know, as it, it's my work. And as long as I can, you know, I've had to put the, you know, project together and I had to justify the methodology you know, all of these things, but, um, but I think that there's definitely, um, a lot more work that needs to be done moving forward. So I, I started this survey, it was released, uh, the day it was released, which was, uh, I think October 16th. So it was, it's distributed by a number of, um, provincial and territorial hunting conservation organizations. It was released in Ontario at 10.15 in the morning the first day, by quarter after four, I had, that same day, I had almost 800 responses. So today is November the 7th. I've got over 3,000 responses. From and from hunters? From hunters in Canada. Yeah. And, you know, so yes, it's primarily multiple choice, but then I had the last question was, is there anything you'd like to add? And, you know, I've gotten... You know, I had, as of over a week ago, I had over 800 responses, typed in responses, and that I was not, ex I was not expecting that at all. Uh, majority of them are heartfelt, thoughtful, insightful. And the first few days, I was a little flab, I'm still flabbergasted, to be honest. Um, the first few days, as I was flipping through the comments, I mean, I haven't cried in years, but I like tears were streaming down my face wow. just because of the, you know, I could feel how much people were hoping 
that their their voice will count for something. Uh, you know, people sharing things like there were some things like "thank you for doing this," "thank you for this survey." There were some comments that you know people wanted to explain that you know with the they they bought land so that they could you know do some restoration on their land and have it not just for hunting but for all living things. Right? There were some people that said uh, things to the effect like hunters are more you know you know more than just hunters you know we're lawyers we're teachers we're family we're you know we're so many other things which is exactly what I was part of what I was trying to get at is to kind of demonstrate that the diver there is a diversity of hunters in this country right yep. they're they you know it's there's this there's this um impression that they're all you know old white guys which and what does that mean anyway you know so so it was really great and then and there were some people you know i remember there was one comment that something along the lines of uh you know can you please let people know that hunters are not a bunch of rednecks who just want to run around killing things i mean it's so moving wow it's so moving and so my thing now is i i'm so grateful and i want to make sure that the information can be shared so i have a website Sure. Tell us. Tell us. Give things. give folks what what your plans are with your website because because you were saying before the show that you want to start making yeah. like some some you know some of this information available like ahead of yeah. uh, your thesis and people can come back and see absolutely and so so yeah. give us give us the details where can folks find you sure so the the website is uh, targetingconservation.com. I can you know and I I can keep that. And I will keep that. I will be updating that with, you know, some of the easy results before they're analyzed, just with kind of basic responses, you know, basic numbers. Um, I will probably add a blog, you know, just for some reflections. Um, But, you know, I think that, I mean, I'm just, I knew there would be interest, but I am just absolutely floored with the amount of interest. And so, you know, my intention is to keep going with this kind of research. I mean, there's people that have commented, a number of comments uh, that I read that said, you know, the the survey is just scratching the surface. You didn't ask about this. I didn't have time to say that. And it's like, I know, I know. I just, you have to start somewhere, right? Yeah. Um, And, you know, I think that the important thing is, uh, and I, I fully intend to uh, publish peer-reviewed articles out of it because it will address the gap in the academic literature, which I think, I think we need to do, no matter what. Um, but then the other thing too is, you, you know, fully to make those results available and transparent, um, you know, for for everybody, like for for all hunters in Canada, you know, and hopefully it will. I mean. You know, I would love if more people started to focus on this kind of thing as part of their graduate research. You know, we have a lot of work to do. And I think as hunters, we need to we need to tell our own story to people outside of the hunting community. And this is what is in part, I think, going to help. And I think the hunting community needs to step up and start supporting people like yourself to move through from from you know um, bachelor's to master's 
to yeah. uh, PhD to Doctorate. post to postdoc. Yeah, yeah, and and you and know. and support people like yourself that are so passionate to get uh, you know the truth about hunting into the scientific literature uh, for, yeah. for 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 per- perpetuity. It's you know it's there. It's yeah. referenced. Well, and, that's it. And and then you know, scientists I mean, and build on top of yeah. that, and 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 that's knowledge. So. Um, Absolutely. I mean, one of the, you know, and one of the observations, you know, that's been made for many, many years, you know, since I've become a hunter, certainly, um, and probably long before is there is a trend seems that uh, folks that are in the fields of fish and wildlife management and resource management, I guess, 40 years ago, up until about 40 years ago, a, a lot of these folks were also hunters, right? And that has that that has been changing. Um, and so certainly here in Ontario, if you, a lot of folks that work for Ministry of Natural Resources, which is the, the our provincial ministry, mm, I don't know how many of them have, you know, forget, forget even being hunters. They may not have any experience of hunters uh, or appreciation, right? Yeah. And- they may even be opposed to hunting. And, and so when you, I mean, hunters are, you know, a group of people who have unique, in my opinion, unique cultural knowledge, right? hundred percent. Wow. So yeah, there's a lot of work. There is a lot of work to do, but, uh, but I do feel that, um, if we can, if we can do a better job of, of showing the different ways that hunters contribute to conservation, you know, maybe we can start to find common ground with other groups of hunters or even non-hunters, other conservationists, and we can work together to, you know, I mean, we're so lucky to live in this land, right? And to have that the spaces we do and to have the wildlife that we do and, you know, it is just a treasure in all of the world. And, um, and, and so I do think that there, that, that we as hunters, you know, have a, have a unique experience of that. And I think we have some unique, um, strengths to offer. Wow. Those are, those are powerful messages. No, um, I, gosh, I love your enthusiasm and your passion for, for hunting and the science in all aspects of your, of your life. Gosh, it's just, I, I want to book you for some more episodes and follow 100%. and follow you along yeah. in in your career and and <laughs> and and be the be the way that we can get some of these these findings and and these messages uh, out to you know a, a much bigger audience. Uh, I think this is an easier yeah. way to digest information, which is what we've tried to do with our other podcast, the Hunter Conservation Podcast, is connect people with science and scientists in a way that's just easy to listen to. Because reading academic papers is not, you know, for no. everybody, but listening to a podcast no. is, and and uh, yeah. I'll be just excited to to have you back on and, and carry on these conversations. Oh, thank you. So. Thank you, Mark. I, I mean, it's just been lovely. And uh, I'm so excited about about the potential, right, of, uh, of what we could do as a community. Yep. And we're, we're here as well uh, with our podcast to help communicate thank uh, you for folks like that so uh the door's always open uh i don't have to extend the invitation to you you can call me up and say hey i got this and 
you got to find it. Oh, that's you, amazing. You got to find a time slot for me. <laughs> that's, yeah, no, let's, uh, yeah, you know, you're, that you may regret those words because I am not shy. No, nope, so. <laughs> never, never, never will. So Maya, thanks yeah. so much. This has been uh, an amazing, amazingly inspirational podcast to see so much energy and so much uh, just love of hunting. Yeah. I can just see it in your eyes. I can hear it in your it's, voice. Well, and, it's like, it, it, yeah, you know, it's my life path, right? It's my mission. Yeah, and it is for so many of us. So, folks, yep. I hope um, I hope you're lit up by Maya as well, because I sure am. Wow, great! Thanks so much for joining us on this show. Thank you, Maya Besdeo. Thank you. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.